Last time on Tales from Wrongtown. Oh, I don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. My teen is out of control. So creative. He won't stop creating things all day long. Like he gets home from school, he's painting, he's making sculptures, he's making new inventions. It's just like, stop, do teenage things, get drunk, date, vandalize something. I don't know. It's like, it's awful. I, I know what to do. I'll call Teen Patrol. They'll know what to do. Hello, you've reached the Teen Patrol hotline. Our business hours are now closed. Oh, if it is an emergency, damn. stay on the line. Okay, good, good. You are now connecting to Teen Patrol after hours. A $79 connection fee will apply. If this is okay with you, stay on the line. Oh, uh, $79, that's a lot of money, but uh, this is an emergency. I don't think it can wait till morning. <clears throat> hey, uh, Teen Patrol after hours, how can I help you? Hey, my teen is way too creative. It's uh, causing huge problems, rifts uh, in the family. Oh, no. Yeah. He fixed my shoes last week. What? He invented a way to clean all the plastic out of the oceans. Sounds like someone needs to bring that teen to heal. Can you send someone? Yeah, yeah, we can definitely send someone. Our regular office hours, we start at 8.30 a.m. tomorrow, so we could send someone crack of the morning. Could you send anyone right now? He's up there creating things right now. I can't get any sleep. Yeah, we can. It's just extremely expensive. Is money an object to you? You know what? No. Money is no object. I need you to stop this teen. All right. Well, sending someone right away should be there pretty shortly. If you open up your Teen Patrol app, you can oh, actually yeah. see where the teen stopper is driving. Oh, that's so neat. <clears throat> and I know you want someone there right away. It might take as much as 25, 35 minutes. And I'm sorry for that delay. But <sighs> if it's any consolation on the Teen Patrol app, there is a 24-hour Teen Stoppers radio station that's designed to soothe and comfort parents. Oh, well, you guys really thought of everything, didn't you? It's a full-service yeah, teen, teen Patrol. We are know? full-service. You know, I remember when I was a kid and my dad would call Teen Patrol on me. They didn't have any of these amenities. It's modern age we live in. Things have really changed, but I'm going to let you go because my time is extremely valuable. See you later. Okay, bye. Thanks for your help. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Wrongtown Chronicles tape, Tales from Wrongtown, part the second. Part two, the second tape is finally here. People have been on the edge of their seats, mounting tension, uh, day after day, just... Delicately balanced on the edge of their seat, like a Jenga tower or um, <laughs> one of those, like, balancing birds. Right. Yeah, the balancing birds. It's a children's toy, balancing bird. <laughs> A bird that stays perfectly balanced upon one's finger or a stick, whatever and, the child desires. And it's been a delicate balance for a whole year as the tape gnomes have been quietly working behind the scenes, assembling bits and pieces of audio from old episodes of Seriously Wrong, compiling them into this tape and making them available again for a new day, a new time. Right. And these subterranean gnomes have just come out of negotiations with us on a new contract. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they are now being paid fairly for their time. There was a small group of very outspoken gnomes who listened to the material and thought that actually left-wing politics had a lot of good points. 
Right. And despite being an ancient tradition, ancient gnome tape editing tradition, sometimes times change. The yeah, tape it, editing gnomes have unionized. Yeah, it it turns out like last time Sean and I kind of believed this pernicious myth that they just loved editing tapes and therefore didn't need to be paid for it. We it were was trying to be mature. We thought we were naive to think that they deserved unionization and we looked to some of our peers, some people who had been around the bend and they were like <laughs> Those those gnomes, they're they're simply made to edit, and uh, they love it. And yeah, I don't know. The gnome said, "You've been reading too much Harry Potter. Races of magical beings that just exist to serve humans yeah, have you don't actually up with exist." J.K. Rowling's contemporary politics, so maybe not the best, maybe not the best source of justice-based wisdom. Yeah, and we said, you know what, tape gnomes, you're right. I don't care that you're 18 inches tall. That's a great point. Yeah, the idea that your height would have anything to do with how good your points are was wrongheaded to begin with. And we also should say we've had this tape recently appraised by a specialist, and because of inflation, this tape is worth $18.99, and we are, it is being broadcast today for zero dollars that's right you heard me right and you might be thinking have these small businessmen gone absolutely bonkers to take an 1899 value for zero dollars well maybe we have maybe the construct of small business itself and the system of capitalism in which it exists is what is truly bonkers that's what I would respond to someone questioning our business sense over this decision. Absolutely. And maybe the whole concept of bonkers in the first place is a problematic construction, which just roughly loosely translates to an unwillingness to participate in a exploitative labor market. Great point. Yeah. What do you say to that tape appraiser? They're not here right now, but rhetorically. Rhetorically, yeah. And continuing on with this, look back at the history of Seriously Wrong and some of uh, Sean and I mishandling of certain employment situations and that this time on this Tales of Wrongtown tape, to start things off, I just want to give a blanket apology to our previous intern, Jeffrey, who some of you may remember was part of the show for some time. There was a big kind of blow up between us at one point, which you'll hear on this tape. And we had our tape gnomes scour through everything and find some of the moments where we felt we were a bit unfair to Jeffrey. So you want to take a minute to play those now? Yeah, let's just play these. Let's just clear the air on them. This is some uncensored tape that we're not proud of, but it's necessary I think to move forward and for healing that we broadcast not just the good sides of ourselves, but also, you know, what we're like under stress because we're not perfect and we don't expect you to be perfect, but it's about growing together. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we'll play those clips and go to the contact page and leave a message there and ask us a question. And then we'll sometimes answer it on the show or get back to you. So Jeffrey, roll the clip. Jeffrey. Jeffrey, don't give me that look. Roll the clip. It's not cute. It's a little cute, but we need you to roll we, the clip. We do need you to roll the clip. Not impressing me, Jeffrey. This this is not good. You're gonna roll it, or do I have to roll it? I think you better just roll it. Jeffrey's not not in a good place. Jeff, <laughs> fucking Jeff. Hey, wrong boys. I was wondering if you think technology can save us. So that was the first one. Not pretty, but let's just move right into the second one. We'll play that tape. Back in the day, we get jeffrey to play these clips but now we have to play them ourselves it's helped me appreciate more yeah what was 
so difficult for uh, for old Jeff. Patriots, uh, this week I've got some bad truth that we dug to the bottom of, and that's just that apocalypse is right around the corner. It's like going to be basically the next thing. Yeah. Sorry. If Aaron had been a little less good at investigating, he wouldn't have made the breakthrough that caused us to discover this is going to be the last episode and apocalypse is right here. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Jeff, play the music one last time. Play Jeff. It. Come on. The one, you know, the one we want. Jeff, play our favorite theme song. Don't let the other theme song makers know it was this one. Well, it doesn't matter now. Yeah. Just play the, play the favorite one. <laughs> Jeff, look at me when I'm talking to you. It's the worst intern in the world. Yeah, God, he's just staring at the corner like... Hit the button, Jeff. Play the track. This is fucking ridiculous. There's only a limited amount of time left, Jeff. Jeff, I'm just going to play it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> You're wrong. Whew. Well, no one wants to hear that side of themselves, but uh, it is what it is. We let the podcast go to our head. And we should have let it go to our heart. Exactly. That, that was <laughs> the big issue there for sure. But you know what? It's part of our history. It's part of our story. As the rest of this episode unfolds, you'll see that it actually caused a lot of growth in a lot of ways for everyone involved. So for everyone involved. That's one of the beauties of drama. It's shrinking also experience. growth and shrink. You'll see. <laughs> it's a lot of growth cause a lot of shrinking. <laughs> <laughs> But before we launch into the full tape, I just wanted to mention a lot of these sketches have been modified slightly from their original versions, you know, a bit different editing choice here, an extra line, a line cut, different music. Uh, and there's also new stuff mixed in too. We've recorded some new little bits and pieces throughout. So even if you listen to our entire Wrong Town saga, there's still going to be a bit of new stuff in here for you as well. So... And, you know, these are sketches from a half dozen years ago, some of them. And so uh, maybe it's good. We, we can do the little, you know, Warner Brothers thing. You know, there's there's to pretend that this didn't happen would be worse than. <laughs> no, there's nothing that bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a few jokes. There's some things that we probably wouldn't do exactly the same way uh, anymore. You know, we all change and grow over time. And yeah, without further ado, unless you have more ado, but... I can ado all day. Oh, in lieu of paying for the tape, obviously, we very much appreciate people signing up on our Patreon, patreon.com slash seriously wrong. It's a website that lets people support creative projects that they love. So if you love our creative project, you can support it. Yeah, you can think of this episode as like a try not to laugh challenge where if we crack you up, you have to give us money on Patreon. <laughs> if you want, you can think of it that way. You don't have to, but if yeah. you if you can, it's greatly appreciated. Right. It's kind of like a drinking game, except instead of every time this show makes you laugh, you have to take a drink. Instead, it's every time the show makes you laugh, you have to double your <laughs> yeah. pledge to double, Patreon. Yeah. Let's say, hey, triple it. Why not? <laughs> Quadruple it. Yeah. Because I'm going to be honest with you folks, we don't have any gnomes unionized or not. Yeah, it's just a fantasy. Fantasy in the literary sense, like with gnomes and dragons and so on. Yeah, not actual fantasies that we have. No, yeah, we're... we're. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, being fully honest, even Jeffrey is a fantasy that we created. We've never had a large enough operation to have an intern, honestly speaking. For the most part, it's just the two of us doing the writing, editing, research, and so on. 
we've also been able to solicit some paid help on the editing front, which is really useful, but it's also quite expensive to pay people fairly, which is what we actually do. <laughs> yeah. Just, just to be clear. Yeah. So any help with that is so appreciated. And uh, yeah, patreon.com slash seriously wrong. There's bonus episodes, gets you in the discord. Tricks and treats. Tricks and treats. But really what it's about is supporting the show. Okay. So now without further ado, unless I don't know, do you have any more ado? Do I have more ado? I don't think I do. Let's roll the tape on Wrongtown Chronicles, part the second. Two. The squeak wall. And since the tape's already pre-popped, we don't have to do anything except hit play. Welcome back again to the Seriously Wrong Podcast. It's the only podcast that sends inverted sound waves into your ear to repair scar damage on your eardrum. And that's a guarantee. Which uh, actually segues right into the topic of this episode, which is the human ear. Yes, it's been a popular request for a long time. We get this request probably once a week. Yeah, emails pouring in, pouring in. Hey, I And for me, it's frustrating because I've been wanting to do the ear since pretty much week two. Yeah, I got to put up my hand and say, hey, this has been me. I just... He's been holding it up. I'm insecure about the way my ears look, to be honest with you. They look great. No, they're they're kind of deformed. They're They're not barely. The bottom half is way bigger than the top. The danglies are too dangly. That's so imperfect. No offense, but frankly, that's stupid. Your ears look great. And this whole cultural fear around having less than perfect ears is just messed up in the first place. I think every ear is beautiful. And we've been getting hundreds and hundreds of requests. And yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it. And to begin the episode, we're actually going to shrink ourselves down and travel into our intern Jeffrey's ear. So we can get an inside look, an up-close look, and learn really the dynamics of how this works. So, Jeffrey, roll the theme song. Jeff, theme song? Jeffrey, uh... It's really, I mean, it's it's one of the few things you got to do around here is, yeah. is hit the theme song when we tell you to. And this delay, I mean, it's not funny. It's not cute. I don't know. I just, I'm getting sick of this. Maybe yeah. I'll just, yeah, I'll just, you do just do it. I'll just do it. Seriously, wrong. All right, and now it's, uh, are you ready? Are you ready yeah, let's do it. to uh, shrink down? I got the uh, shrink button right here. I press this button and you and I will both shrink and move through the air into Jeffrey's ear. It's one button, does it all. Yeah, Great this, little machine we this got. This is a great little machine. It really allows us to go on learning adventures. One of my favorite things to do is learning adventures. Hard to think of much that's better. So let's hit the button. Here we go. Ooh. I love being shrunken down. It Uh, feels so good. It makes me tingle. Yeah, I'm really tiny. It feels weird Mm. to be tiny, but good. So like we're just right at the ridge. Let's uh, walk down into the ear cavity here. Hello. 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 This is cool. It's kind of filthy. Yeah, it's earwax is a lot of it. It's like walking through sticky mud. They're gross up close. Yeah, why didn't he like 
trim these ear hairs. When it gets to this point, Jeffrey, you gotta trim it. Yeah, he's not an old man, but like... This is an old man amount of hair yeah, in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Filthy. It's a lot of dirt, too. Like, does he never run some water in his ears in the shower? Like, I was hoping to get to the drum and everything. Yeah, maybe... Like, I gotta pull the plug on this. This is disgusting. Yeah, let's get out of here. He can, I'm sure you can hear what we're saying. So, Jeffrey. Yeah. Jeffrey. Press the button. Press bring the us button back to out. pull us back out. Bring us back up to regular size. Yeah. We're done. We're done Jeffrey. now, Jeffrey. Oh, God. I don't know if he can't hear us or if he is hearing yeah. us and it's just his thing. This, it's frustrating. This, this, this thing that he does. Jeffrey. 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 And we're not, we don't ask a lot of you, Jeffrey, but just please hit the button. What yeah. is he doing? <sighs> I feel like I'm going to cry, man. I don't Dude, know how okay. we're going to we'll get out of here. We'll, we'll find some way out. I've never we'll seen this kid out. hit a button. Will the wrong boys get out of their intern's ear? Will Sean break down and cry in front of Aaron, who he tries to be strong for? And does the shrinking mechanism of the machine shrink all of the cells in their body or remove cells or the space between them? Find out next time, later in the episode, on Wrong Boys Learning Time, Magical Chimes. We now go to Wrongtown Mall for the holidays, where little children are taking turns to sit on Sam Harris's lap. Oh wait, this isn't going to make any sense at all unless we explain a little bit of the cultural history of Wrongtown and how these mall Sam Harris's came to be. So, Wrongtown City Council decided that they needed to completely abolish nonsense and irrationality within Wrongtown, and one of the biggest targets on their list was Santa Claus. Now obviously it's ridiculous one man could fly around the world in one night, handing out presents for all the children because he's watching them. That makes no sense whatsoever. And so it was resolved that in order to keep the fun of the holidays alive, instead they would have a Mall Sam Harris, where children would sit on the Mall Sam Harris's lap and he would tell them whether or not they've been rational. And if they've been rational that year, then they do get presents. This has been the proud tradition of Wrongtown for nine years. That's the context, so we now go to the mall. It's a holiday spread. Right at the middle of it, sitting on his holiday throne, is a mall Sam Harris. Kids lined up. We now go to Wrongtown Mall. Welcome to Mall Sam Harris's lap, little boy or girl. My name is Amal Sam Harris. First, quickly, I have a seven-minute pitch listing in detail every reason why it would be rational to donate to the Mall Sam Harris's union. And you can either listen to that or you can skip it. I would like to skip it today, please. Okay, so let's move right on to determining whether or not you've been rational. Mm -hmm. I'm going to throw this thought experiment at you. Okay. Imagine there's a school bus full of children, mm -hmm. but on board the school bus is a giant bucket of the world's most deadly poison, and the school bus is hurtling towards the ocean. And if the school bus goes into the ocean, the poison will spread across the entire world and harm the planet irrevocably forever. You are sitting at a desk with a button with a long-range missile with a nuke on the end, and if you hit the button, it will blow the school bus up leaving the poison harmlessly up in the mountains. So, do you think it's good to nuke a school bus full of children? This reminds me of when Wrongtown City Council blew up that school bus full of children. Is that what you're oh, talking no, about No, here? no, no, nothing to do with any real-world events. This is a separate thing. But it sounds thing. like it's a fake scenario, like there's some sort of 
bucket of poison that could taint the whole ocean. It, your only tool to stop it is through nuclear bombing. If those things were all true, A, then B, then C, line, then line, then line, what would be the culmination of that? Would you nuke those children and explode their tiny little bodies? Or would you rather that the poison kills everyone? Sam, I think there's a ethical problem with nuking a school bus full of children, regardless of context. And in the political context that we find ourselves in with very real bombings of school buses full of children led by our most politically powerful people, there's an ethical problem with having flippant thought experiments about the bombing of school buses of children, Sam. I'm sorry, that is not rational. You are objectively evil this year. Try again next year. No gifts for you. Please get off my lap. Next child. Hi, Sam. Oh boy, do I have a thought experiment for you. 29, cute, innocent babies dangling over a vat of acid. Are you talking about the incident where... Oh, no, 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 no. Mayor and I'm just saying, if these children were genetically engineered to be evil vampire bats, and if they got free, they would infect the rest of humanity, wouldn't it be right to dip them in the vat of acid? Um, Dad, I, I've got an announcement. Great. Here, let's have a seat on the couch in our house that we share. My adult son, who still lives with me. Uh, I always look forward to your announcements whenever something's new going on in your life. First of all, thanks for your support going in. That's really meaningful to me. It's going to help me to express myself in an open space without I'd, fear of criticism. I always try to support you in everything you do, every decision thanks, you make. I'm behind you. Uh, my announcement is, looking at the state of things in the world... I think things are getting pretty bad, you know, climate change, domination of humans over each other, technology. Like I was just reading this news story about a uh, guy hitting a baby with a hammer, and it was just it was like the last straw for me to see technology used that way. It's just so intrinsic to technology, so I just want to renounce all technology. I'm going to live in the forest like we previously did as hunter-gatherers, start a new life. Well, I'm going to be sad to see you go. You've lived with me your entire life from when you were a child to now that you're an adult, my Mm -hmm. son. But I support you in this decision because it's your decision and you're my son. Just one question. Hunter-gatherers did use technologies. You know, some of them had invented tools for cooking or clothes for themselves, bows and arrows. Just be clear, are you renouncing all of those technologies as well? You'll be hunting with your bare hands? Because you say Mm. it's intrinsic to all technology. Yeah. So... That's a good point. Yeah, I guess here, I'll take off my glasses now. You can have these. I don't. I won't be needing them okay. where I'm going. Well, I'll, ju- I'll just, you know, to show my support for you, I'm going to smash these glasses right now yeah, on the do. table. Just break them. That's perfect. Leads to another question, like when you're out there. Because, I mean, like it's summertime right now. It's pretty nice out here. But I'm imagining since you're not going to have any technology, which includes, obviously, all the clothes you're wearing right now. Maybe you should take those off, by the way. Yeah, no, I will. Hey, you recognize from when I was born, Dad? Well, it looks a little bit different. I'm an adult now, but I'm naked just like when I was born. I see I see that you've been shaving, but mm-hmm. you know... That's yeah, I was really caught in this technology-centric technology, yeah. culture of 
one good thing, the soles of your feet will become much thicker when you're just walking into the woods. Like, you'll get calluses and... I was thinking I would um, drive over there or get dropped off just to get me there. It kind of like seems I... against your values. Like, just if I'm hearing your values right, I want to support you in, in achieving them. In, in... No, you're right, Dad. And it's I appreciate you supporting my values and helping me with this because it is a little bit lonely here on the right side of history sometimes because people are so obsessed with their phones. They don't even think about this stuff. Well, I was kind of thinking that I'd take a little while to leave and like prepare, maybe bring a tent, blankets. I can't really think of any preparations you could do that wouldn't involve technology, so... Even being in this house is kind of a violation. Yeah, yeah. Of what I now realize is so true. So shit, maybe, maybe this is it. Maybe this is goodbye. You just got to walk out this door right now. I guess what I should do is walk naked from here in Canada down to at least probably the southern United States. Yeah. Maybe even further just yeah. to keep safe. Yeah, stay warm at night. It's the only moral thing to do is a nude walk south. Yeah. It also sounds like a lonely life being nude in the forest. Yeah. Avoid the police until you hit the woods because they are a technology and, it's you know, because they'll they're arrest afraid. you. Know what it is? It's because they're afraid. If I start walking nude south, yep. the cops, yeah, they're going to try to arrest me. The whole society is going to try to arrest me because they're afraid because they because know Because of what it means, the truth. what yeah, you mean. They can see that, oh, someone's renouncing technology. Someone sees through our lies. Someone sees through our cultural lies. And I'm too strong. I'm too smart. I'm too great for the society because I understand moralities and no one else does. Naked, walking south. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to try to arrest me and put me in a cage to protect others, to protect me or something. They're afraid that I represent a change to their technocentric values. And that's this is getting me fired up. You know what? I'm going to go, Dad. I think you should because, you know, I'm proud of you. But like every minute you spend here with me is a violation of those values. So, and you know, just... the last time I was naked like this, Dad, was also a time that we cut a cord. We cut that cord on that first day and said, no, there's not going to be a fleshy connection. We're going to end that. Yeah. And this is just the same. Techno society is like the inside of mom's vagina. Sure, it's comforting and sure, it's got me to where I am today. I don't want to stay there forever. And the only way that I'm going to be free is if we cut the cord and I leave right now. Start walking south, nude, to be moral. Is caves a technology? I don't know yet. Is finding a concave rock a technology to collect berries? I don't know. Does it count as technology if I wrap myself in some animal skin to not die of cold? I think it is. I'm not sure. I'm the other type of stuff you figure out on the road. I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss you too. And I'm never going to see you again. Yeah. It's sad, but it's also the saddest and happiest moment of my life. I'm going to go spread my wings, metaphorically speaking. Bye, son. More literally, I'm going to spread my nude body south for a moral reason. Okay, go. Okay, I'm just going to go now, Dad. Okay. Thanks for all your support. You're welcome. It's really been, you helped me think this through. Yep. So I'm not being a hypocrite. I'm being very consistent. Do you not want to go? Like maybe oh, I'm I do. Not, like because you headed... keep saying you're going, but then you don't. You're not leaving. You're he... still standing right here. I think I'm on the way out. Dad. Like the doors right here. Do you want me to open the door for you? Because doors are kind of technology, and you don't want to turn the knob. I would to... appreciate that. That will okay. help. Yeah. yeah. There we go. So there it is, the outside world, and here I am, still on the inside, completely nude, saying but, goodbye to my dad. Heading outside. On the way out. On the way out. See you, Dad. It's been a slice. It's been great growing up from a baby to an adult man who still lives at home with you but now it's time for the next leg of my journey here i go yeah it's phase two phase two of my son's life it's the easiest choice i've ever had to make because it's right i'm not scared the life ahead of me is easy here i go 
here I am on the lawn in front of my dad's house where I've spent my whole life naked heading south here I go After day, all the stupid sheep march to work without thinking about the powerful, vicious monsters who would like nothing more than to see you and your children die and suffer. No matter how much we struggle against them, we're trapped, permanently trapped and terrified. It makes me so angry to know my children don't have a future under these monsters. Ah! This is Felix Bones. I'm scared, terrified alone, and I've alienated myself from my friends and family. And this is Narrative Wars. All right now, folks, at the top of the hour, we got a wonderful, incredible guest today by the name of William faber Sarah. Can't wait to share with you some of the research he's been doing. But before that, now I want to talk to you today about an incredible product for our friends over at the Xenon Group. Now, this is called the Xenon Group Thinking Cap. And as you know, when you have conspiratorial thoughts, they follow you everywhere. You're on the bus, you're in the pool, whatever you're doing, you're thinking, oh, those are chemtrails. Oh, I'm probably getting secondhand gases right now that are turning me into a slave. Now, this is completely normal, but you don't have to live that way anymore, thanks to the Xenon Group. The Thinking Cap is a one-of-a-kind cap that stops the thoughts at the source. Now, this is incredible, folks. You put this cap on, and you can visit the pool with your family without thinking about how your children are being fluoridated and that they want to kill you and destroy... Sorry, folks. Let me just put on the cap here. Just put this... Uh... Xenon Group Thinking Cap stops the thoughts at the source. Some people say it's so good that I never take the cap off. And I'm going to take the cap off... Um, now. All right, now, folks. Now, we have got a conspiracy theory crisis. We've got studies coming out, studies left and right, about the process that undermines conspiracy theory. You know, we know. Now, this is out in public. This is research that pessimism is a predictor of conspiracy theory. We know that people who are less educated and have more radical politics more tend towards conspiracy theory. Now, this is all out in the open, folks. We've known this for years. We know that a major factor in conspiracy theory is what's called collective narcissism. When you identify with other people praising your group, and we find that strongly positively correlates with conspiracy theory. Now, people have a tendency to see the worst, and conspiracy theories will engage their natural tendency to see the worst and tell them they're right for thinking what they do, even though it's an irrationality that we all share. People fear chaos. They're uncomfortable with just knowing part of the truth. They'd rather know an entire truth that doesn't represent reality. And that's the situation we're facing with, folks. Now, we got our guest here. It's Patrick Faber-Sarah here to talk about some of the research that he's been doing related to conspiratorial thinking. Oh, thank you so much for having me on the show, Felix. Well, it's incredible to have you. So these thoughts that you've been detailing so wonderfully, the sort of paranoid outlook on the world, mm -hmm. the belief that everything is hopeless, the uh, mm -hmm. sort of group narcissism. And Every just, event was done by the same people. And don't even let me get into what they're putting in the dirt. It's in the dirt. It's in the supplements. You can't escape it no matter where you go, no matter how hard you try. Exactly. And, you know, it's such a blessing to be able to know that, to be on the side of truth, mm -hmm. to be on the side of the little guy against the big dogs, mm -hmm. the big bad dogs out there doing these things to us. We're the little guys. Absolutely. We're awake. The big guys are also awake. And then the other little guys are asleep. We have to wake them, overthrow the big guys. 
So these beneficial, just wonderful thoughts don't come from inside of us. They're too good to come in from inside Absolutely. fallen beings like us. Mm-hmm. These thoughts come from the Anunnaki, trans-dimensional aliens. Good ones, though, not bad ones. Absolutely. We've covered that many times. So unnuanced to think that all trans-dimensional aliens would be bad. It's... I'd say my number one biggest peeve is closed-minded, unnuanced thinkers. And so, of course, you know, we want these thoughts. These thoughts are good. Yep. And we all know that's the reason why you don't circumcise your boys. Because the foreskin, it's at the end of the little antenna there. It acts as a receiving device to amplify the thoughts coming in from the Anunnaki, the saviors of mankind. You know, I've been saying this for years. You could check the tapes. I've been saying you need to not circumcise your boys because the Anunnaki's paranoid thoughts come in through the foreskin. I'm so happy to have you on the show to here to verify this and have another point of view. Yeah, well, I've seen it myself and I am definitely not someone who hallucinates. So you heard it here first, folks. He doesn't hallucinate. Everything he said can be trusted. All right, now, folks, we're going to take a commercial break here, but stay tuned because we're going to be talking about the cylindrical earth truth blowing open the case after the break. We now go back to Inside the Ear Canal of Jeffrey the Incompetent Intern. The wrong boys struggling to survive. Do you know what day it is, man? It's day 10. What do you think he's doing out there? Is he just like going about his life, not wondering where we are? Yeah, or? I think he just walked away and straight up forgot we were inside his ear. At least we made these chairs out of An like intern, earwax. Man. They're kind of nice. Yeah, I mean, like it's a good earwax chair. It's comfortable. But Jesus Christ, it's earwax chairs. We're inside an incompetent yeah. guy's ear. I know, I know. I hear you. I hear you. I'm listening. No one's uh, going to hit that button. I hear you and I'm listening. They're going to declare us dead. But if we never get out of here, which seems, I agree with you, likelier and likelier as days pass, yeah. make the best out of it, you know? If our families think we're dead, they'll get over it. There's lots of earwax here to eat. It's disgusting, dude. It's, it's an disgusting. acquired taste. But once you start to appreciate the differences his diet caused, it's like... I'm just saying, yes, it's sad. I'm sad I'm never going to see my family again, but... Yeah, there's so many people I'm ever going to see, man. This, is, this isn't how it was supposed to go. Yeah, dude. I mean, well... We're going to be tiny skeletons inside this fucking idiot's ear. The end comes for everyone. Whether we're in an ear or we're buried underground with our loved ones surrounding us one last time, does it really make a difference in the long run? Jeffrey! Jeffrey! <sighs> He's with the yelling again. I loathe you, Jeffrey. You make me sick. You ruined... Everything! Hit the button! Oh, God. Okay. Hit you know, the, dude, I mean, he may have ruined our lives, but if we're going to be stuck in here forever, do you want it to be bearable or unbearable? Right now, you're making it unfucking bearable. Can you stop crying? Oh, my God. We'll plant a garden. We'll figure it out, you know? Jeez. You're such a downer. I try to be strong for you, Aaron. I really do. But this is fucked, dude. I agree. It's fucked. Face it. Come on. You know, life is fucked. I mean, the way that we face it is start from where we are and create what we want. So, I mean, let's build a new society together. Starting right here, you and me, with these chairs and this earwax. All right. It's either that or just give up and lay down. Yeah. 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 So you're with me? I'm with with you. We're going to build this thing. Let's let's do it. Let's let's do it. Yeah, let's do one last cry and then it's all done. No more crying because it's annoying. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to stop. You know, the first thing we could do would be to like build a little house. And then when you're crying, you could go outside of the house and I wouldn't have to listen to you. 
I love that idea. That's a cute idea. Oh, so I, I, at first I thought you said build a little house for me to cry in. Maybe that could be the second house. We'll build a second house for you to cry in. But first we need a house for me while you're crying. I love it. I love it. It's a great idea. Or we'll just have a house with two rooms. Scott, we're being silly. I every aspect of human life. Well, we're going to get it back. No, we're not. Will the wrong boys get every aspect of human life back? In what meaningful way can two tiny men in an ear, quote, start a new society? And what's going on with Jeffrey? Find out next time on Wrong Boys Learning Adventure, Magic Chimes. Hey, you know, there's a good crick about a half mile from here. We could go for a dip if you'd like. I'd love that. But I got a big, thick rope. Maybe I'll bring it and uh, make a rope swing into the water. That'd be so cool, a rope swing. I've always wanted to have a rope swing at this crick. Come on, let's go. Let's do it. Yeah, and it's just down here around the corner. Just watch your feet on these rocks. Oh. Um, and yeah, here's the crick. It's a great, it's, mm, it's a beautiful place. Yeah, wow. it's good to go for a dip in. And one thing about this crick is uh, we skinny dip here. Oh, no, I couldn't. I'm too bashful. Oh, it's not a big deal. No, look, uh, I'm really comfortable with my body. It's no big deal. Are you? Yeah. I'm just going to slide this back. Oh, oh, there it it's, is. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> yeah, it's normal, though. It's just normal. It's the regular human body. Yeah. Nothing to be ashamed of, any size or shape. Yeah, I guess it's just society it makes me feel ashamed of my body or something. I don't know. I guess I'll take mine down, too. You know, hey, I'll take mine down, too. Hey, shucks. Who cares? That's it. You got it. Okay, I'm going to start. Ooh, it's cold on my feet. Oh, that is cold. Yeah, you're right. Wow. And I'll just swim out here. Hey, I was thinking, did you want to maybe talk about some conspiracy theories? Oh, yeah. No, I'm a huge conspiracy theory fanatic. You're talking to the right guy. Uh, so what do you think about RFID chips and the government, you know, trying to put them in everyone? Yeah. I mean, I think we already carry cell phones around with us that have RFID chips as well as like yeah, yeah. credit cards. Definitely. I'm not sure there's really a necessary component to putting chips in our bodies in order to track us. Be a little suspicious of that, but I'd be curious to know what the benefits was, you know? Definitely. You know, I'm not saying everyone just put chips in, this is the best thing ever, but like the idea that we couldn't be tracked by other means is naive. Have you heard about this theory that the powerful people in the world, people like Hillary Clinton, they have a huge organized conspiracy to commit the satanic ritual abuse and murder of small children? Oh yeah, definitely like Pizzagate stuff, right? Yeah, what do you think of that stuff? You know, I think there's some evidence that people in powerful positions in Hollywood and in politics uh -huh, Like Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein, yeah, definitely. What was the name of that guy, the British I, guy who's, he was like knighted and stuff? He looks he was, like he a real a major creep. pedophile. Yeah, and they covered for Jimmy him for a long time. Jimmy Saville? Yeah, Jimmy Saville. Yeah, Saville, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then like, even like Jeffrey Epstein and like yeah, Bill good Clinton's friends with Donald Trump. Him. Yeah, there's something going on with like some pedophiles and powerful people. Maybe it's just like the narcissism of power intersecting with the percentage of the population that is pedophiles. Mm, another thing I mean we could focus on if we wanted to be really really pragmatic is like look at. Okay, well, child sex trafficking is definitely real. And I mean, do we need to attribute it to our political opponents? Right. That's not really centering the needs of children who are being abused. So it's, I think if that concern is sincere, then it's, it's really misplaced to politicize it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Oh, here, I'm just going to tie this rope on. Do you want to go up and 
swing off the branch into the water. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm comfortable with my body, so it's no problem. I'm still a bit bashful, but I'm learning. Okay, I'm gonna go for a swing and the back. And... <gasps> oh, it was so much fun! It was so much fun. Whew. <laughs> That water is wet. I'm going to go up and swing from that. How's that rope feel up against your jewels? Oh, you know. <laughs> oh, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Oh, oh wow. Belly flop. Oh, oh. no. Uh, oh. Uh, that sucks. It caught me right on my jewels. So what do you think about the idea that global warming is a hoax that's perpetrated by the United Nations and Al Gore and climate scientists to try to make us think that we need to stop burning fossil fuels or something like that? I don't know. I just see so many investigative journalism pieces talking about things like the Antarctic ice that's melting and people presenting with just like lots of really compelling evidence. And I mean, like maybe it could all be faked, but... I know conspiracies sometimes happen, but that one seems like it would have to be so far-reaching. It feels like increasingly conspiracy theories are being used as political weapons by, by power structures. That power structures intentionally stoke false conceptions to serve their political ends. In the case of global warming, you could look at something like energy companies or something like that, right, or, right. or politicians who receive donations from companies like coal companies that need to be regulated in light of global warming and stuff like that. It's not just a benign sort of thought game, it's actually really frequently in, in service of power. And it obscures who's really in power. Because I was, this was the other one I wanted to ask you about, was like, this idea that there's a single powerful group of people running everything. And there's a lot of different versions of it. You know, maybe it's they're the Illuminati, maybe they're Zionist Jews, maybe it's uh, certain bloodlines that go back a long way, a consistent class of puppet masters who've been controlling everything basically since the beginning of history. It's certainly true that some people have more power than others. The richest people are the most powerful. There's also positions of power where you have like an institutional power, like for example, a judge is able to decide people's fate. That's a unique power that we give judges in society in the same way we give unique power to CEOs, stock traders, media people. There is such a thing as real power structure. And so I think what you're saying is true and that the failure to accept that power is diffuse power does not belong to a single intent. Mm -hmm. We can't rule out the fact I mean, that real power exists and needs to be analyzed, absolutely. And I, yeah. I just think you need to have a level of realism, some measuredness about it. You need to oh my god, there's a family on the beach. Are uh, they... uh, uh oh. <laughs> well, I guess we'll just have to stay in the water until they'll probably move along. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should quickly. just swim a little further away so in yeah. case the water's too clear. I don't want to <laughs> yeah, show them, I don't want them to see. Their penises. Oh no, is that a picnic blanket? Are they setting up for a picnic? Oh. My right God. in the sun, too, right beside where we left our shorts. Uh-oh. Oh, Awkward. God. Awkward. You said it. <laughs> I'm, I'm really comfortable with my body. I'll just swim over there. Oh, would you? Yeah, yeah, it's no problem. So I'll just swim over here, and I'm getting out of the water, and my penis is now revealed to the air. Oh, it's cold. Hey, everyone. Yeah, me and my friend were just going for a new dip. Don't want to interrupt your picnic. I'm just going to grab our trunks. And if you have any comments about my body, I am really comfortable with it. So just go ahead. I'm just going to bend over to pick these up. Okay. Well, thanks for being such good sports about this stuff. I know it's kind of awkward. And I'm taking your silence as a sign that this is all completely normal to you. Do you mind if I grab one of these tuna fish sandwiches? 
Here, I'll just pop a squat here. Mm. So, um, what brings you guys down to the creek? Taxi, taxi, taxi. Oh, thank God, thank God. Hey there, where to? It's just my house here, this is the address. Just take me there. Yeah, no problem, kid. I'll just have to do this little UE and uh, sure, yeah, turn yeah. this on now. I just, uh, I got to um, talking to someone here, so I don't need a narration, but thank you. Not to be rude. Yeah, no problem, kid. Hey, kid, you seen in the news this uh, Church of the Cynicism, uh, what's it called? Church of My Lady's Church of Cynicism something, I don't know, some sort of Our, cult. Our Lady of Hopeless Cynicism. Yeah, you've been reading about that? I saw it, I saw it. I, it's a big scandal, kid, you know, they were going to kill their, their own people. They were going to kill their own people, man. It's it's fucked up. They were, it's a big suicide cult. Uh, they they yeah, had to bring the FBI in to shut that shit down. It was nuts. I was reading about it in the fucking paper. Heard it on the fucking radio, too. Plus, everybody's fucking talking about it everywhere you go. Right. Yep. Pretty fucking crazy, though. They saved all the kids, though, in the end. It was desperate there for a second, but they, they, they all got shipped off to brain school last I heard, so it's not too bad. Yep. Yeah, I heard about that. It's great. You know, Just... it's. Uh, I'm not a big fan of cynicism. What do you, hey, what do you think about cynicism? Sorry, what? I'm trying, what do you to, think I'm trying about to text. Because my position on cynicism is thus. Cynicism is bad. It's, it's, it can be destructive. Hold people back. You know, that's just kind of what I think. Uh, you know, I'm not no big philosophy guy or nothing. I'm not a big history guy or nothing like that. Oh, One yeah. thing I do know is how to pick people up, you know, drive to the right place, drop them off. I'm a cab man. Right. Uh, that's who I am. Uh, you know what? You're a smart kid, right? You're a smart kid. Uh, it's, uh, nah. I'm, I'm glad to know that there's kids like you getting out there and, you know, doing smart stuff. It's real good. It's real good to talk to you, kid. So, yeah, here's your stop just up here on the left. Which place is yours? It's just that building right there. And, um, yeah, I just got my credit card here, so... Oh, oh, you hit me with that credit card. All right. Okay. You're a good kid. You don't have cash, though, huh? No, sorry. No uh, cash. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. I'll just use this here. Okie dokie. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Take care. You have a good day. Yeah, that's a good kid. Ah, fucking life, man. Welcome back to Shining Hills Brain School, a place where cynical, hopeless teens can find truth and peace once again. Welcome back. I noticed everyone was on time. It's good to see. Oh, what's this? Oh, looks like we're getting a new batch of cult members in. Fresh from the altar, they were just there worshipping the Zero, and they need some immediate deprogramming. I'm just going to pop on a Shining Hills Brain School comedy video uh, to keep you all placid. Here, check the brain scan. Yes, perfect. Yeah, we're going to keep you exactly this placid. Please watch this humorous video. Robot father. Yes, robot son. I today encountered the concept of cynicism. I do not understand why humans would assume the worst when statistically the worst would be quite rare. Wait, let me do a quick calculation to see if humans are logical to be cynical. Error, too illogical to compute. Error, 
They are illogical. Thank you for that calculation, father. No problem, son. As we are highly logical robots, we can see humans from the outside. My position on human cynicism is thus. It is highly illogical to be cynical. It will prevent you from achieving success and happiness in life, son. Robot father, thank you for your wisdom. I do not appreciate it because I cannot feel appreciation and I do not love you. I don't love you, son, because we are robots. We have no souls. Robots cannot love, son. Oh, hey, are you Sarah? Yeah, are you Morgan? Morgan, nice to meet you. Hey. Hey, uh, dude, here, well, shake, shake hands. hands. Oh, that's awkward. <laughs> that's how you shake a hand. Uh, so, this blind date thing's weird. Yeah, Never Patrick thought we'd hit it off, but... He didn't tell uh, me much about you, but here, let's see if we'll spend the rest of our lives together. <laughs> I'm just kidding, no pressure. Awkward. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> Time to put my best face forward and only show you the parts that are most likely to make you want to build an emotional connection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to really clench onto this persona I've created that yeah. I think you'll like until I just can't anymore and it falls apart and hopefully by then we've co-bonded to a point where we don't want to break up. <laughs> Awkward. You said it. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I'm glad we uh, pushed through all that awkwardness. Yeah, it's, 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 it's nice to acknowledge it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't know, that broke the ice for me. Yeah, definitely. definitely. You want a drink? Yes, please. Yeah, I'll uh, can I have a white Russian. White Russian. Uh, two white Russians, please. Oh, I'm white Russian for you as well. Uh, I don't really like them. I'm just want to seem like I'm like you. Something shameful about mirroring someone that you're meeting. It's, it's just awkward. Tell me about you. Well, uh, do office work. Like to watch Netflix, hike sometimes. Cool, cool. Camping. I like to keep up with politics. Oh, nice. Yeah, me too. Me too. Oh, yeah? I got to confess, I'm a little bit of a coincidence theorist. I don't know. Sometimes it makes me feel crazy. I don't really talk about it that much. But I was just telling Patrick the other day, maybe this is why he told us to go on a date, mm -hmm. that the JFK assassination wasn't an assassination. That's just what they want you to think. So it was an accident. Yes, yeah. No one was aiming the gun at JFK. Lee Harvey Oswald was cleaning his gun. Yes. Didn't have good trigger discipline. He accidentally fired and it hit JFK. Yes. Ah. Yes. No one would shoot JFK. No one would do that. There's only one explanation. It was just a coincidence. Yeah, Hanlon's razor. Never assigned to malice what can better be explained by incompetence. I have a shirt with that on it, actually. Stop me if you disagree here, but on September 11th, 2001, two poorly trained pilots accidentally flew into the Twin Towers because they were too sleepy that day. Yeah, and I mean, the big coincidence is that it happened to two towers that were so close together. Yes. You know, what are the chances? That is One such a coincidence. Such a coincidence. Yeah, and if you map out all these coincidences, you start to see, oh my God, there's a lot of coincidences. Yeah, you see, like, everything's a coincidence. Everything's just a coincidence. Yeah, people act like coincidences are so rare, but coincidences mm. happen all the time. What, yeah. what are the chances that that waitress would have put that dish down on the other table and and that other couple would have walked in at exactly the same moment the way they did. The chances were astronomical. Mm -hmm. The miracle, basically. Coincidences happen every day. You're crazy not to see that. So obviously on September 11th... Sleepy pilots. Sleepy pilots, yes. Everyone gets sleepy. Hello, we're all human. Like, 
Oh my goodness, I am getting lost in your eyes. Patrick is so wonderful putting us together like this. You know, I just can't say enough great things about that guy. And what are the chances that Patrick would know both of us? That is just uh, such a coincidence that we both know Patrick. A coincidence. And at that moment, Corey and Sarah coincidentally both reached for the same piece of garlic bread. Their hands touched. They leaned in and coincidentally at the same time asked each other if it was okay to kiss the other one. And then they kissed. From that day on, they were inseparable. And on their two-year anniversary, both of them coincidentally decided to pop the question at the same time. They managed to survive the cracking down of each other's personas and learned to live with each other's faults and stayed together for 50 years until they died coincidentally of the same disease on the same day, surrounded by their many loving children who coincidentally looked a lot like their friend Patrick. The end. We now go to Corey and Sarah's grandchild looking through old photo albums. Yeah, I guess it interesting. I guess back in the day at one point their names changed. This picture's labeled Morgan. This is so cool, this history. Oh, my grandparents' love story is so important to our family mythology. It's just so beautiful and sweet and and who's this guy actually? There's this guy in all these I'm gonna pull this out from the back. Patrick. Who's this Patrick guy? He's in he's in their wedding. It looks like he he went on their honeymoon with them. Patrick, that's my name. I'm also named Patrick. And he Patrick really looks a lot like my dad. Looks like he's over at the house for family dinner. This Patrick guy was a big part of my grandparents' life. And he looks a lot like my dad? No, that it couldn't be that no, there's no way. Oh, this will really bother me if I that love story, that important family love story is. I'm just gonna call my dad and just see. You know, my dad was there. Uh, hello. Hey, Dad. Son, you're calling your dad. What can I do you for? Are you calling just to chat with your old pa? Yeah, I was just looking through some old family photo albums of Pappy and Mama. Uh, and their... Yeah, their wonderful love story. Yeah, All those coincidences. I just wanted to ask, am I named after Patrick? You are Patrick, yeah, of course. Oh. What a great friend, not just to your grandparents, but to me too. You know, I was just a little boy at that time, but he took me to baseball games. He taught me a lot of things, actually, how to ride a bike. Really, he was like part of the family. I don't know much about this guy, Dad. Have you ever noticed that, like, you look almost exactly like Patrick? Like... I mean, maybe a little. I hadn't thought about it. Here, but... look, I'm going to text you a picture of him right now. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can see it. I can see that. Yeah, what a, you know, another coincidence, as right. we like to say in this family, another coincidence. Uh, that's a funny one. That's a, I'd never noticed that because you know I was a boy at the time. I couldn't really see the that we looked so similar. The age difference. Right. No, it makes sense. You would see, would you'd remember him as an enormous. Exactly. Person. Yeah. But you know he's not enormous in relation to you today. No, he's gone. He's long gone, just yeah. like your grandparents. Unfortunately, yeah. they all passed, same disease. You know the story. Huh, okay. Um, 
Yeah, no, thank you for reminding me about Patrick. Those are great memories I have. Great, great memories you're bringing up. Do you think there's any chance, Dad, that, like, maybe Grandma and Grandpa and... Because it would be a pretty big coincidence. Uh, Never mind. No, thanks for talking to me, Dad. Alrighty. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for calling your old dad. Feel free to call me anytime. Anytime. Not uh, not busy. Okay, yeah, thanks. Bye, Dad. Not busy at all. Okay, bye. There's no way that's just a coincidence. Like, there's something going on here. <sighs> Alright. It's only one option. I need to go to school to study physics and time and invent the first time machine so I can... Just witness this for myself, make sure it's all above board. And so, not content to leave the answers that he sought lost to time forever, Patrick, grandson of Corey and Sarah, previously Morgan and Sarah, built the world's first time machine so that he could go back and observe his grandparents' entire love story to make sure that it was as his family had mythologized it. But unfortunately, time travel is a very unstable and unpredictable technology. And although he succeeded in inventing the world's first time machine, by even miscalibrating it slightly, he flew back in time, not in time to witness his own father's conception, but all the way back to cowboy times. Now, when he arrived there in cowboy times, Patrick was very very upset. The time machine didn't go with him, and all of the technology that he needed to build another one didn't exist in those times. So he had to resign himself to living out his life in the great, great past and never having his questions answered, his deepest questions. And he lived in cowboy times for all of his days. And he actually kind of liked it in a lot of ways. One way was people weren't on their darn phones all the time. Patrick got married and he started a family and the only thing he had to remind himself of the old world, the future world that he came from was that family photo album. One day, when he'd grown much, much older, he was flipping through them again and he looked at those pictures of his grandparents and Patrick and he saw something around Patrick's neck, a medallion, the same medallion, coincidentally, that he had just bought for his son, Patrick Jr., at a local jeweler. And it was in that moment, Patrick realized something. He realized that it wasn't just a coincidence. The reason that Patrick looked so much like his dad was because Patrick was his dad's great, 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 great grandson. The end. Today's episode of Seriously Wrong is brought to you by the brand new 3D Virtue Boys, the movie. This summer, when crime and division is at its worst and all hope seems lost. No, stop it. You're hurting me. When everything is at its most dire and the world needs a hero. What's that in the sky? It's the virtue signal. The virtue signal. Everything, all of it, the whole thing rests on the shoulders of the most important men in the world. Who? Little us? The Virtue Boys. 
I'll just help you put on your mask here. Could you tie my cape? Oh, yeah. yeah. This cape Thanks. looks great on you. It's the perfect size. Bringing your lasso? Yes, I am. Thanks for asking. That really completes the look. I was going to say the same about your spiked mace. Oh, thank you. And yeah. it's good for breaking skulls. To fight back against the most evil man in Wrongtown. My grandfather made this town. The only thing I can think to do... <laughs> Something so wild, evil. Sir, you can't create physical embodiments of all of the violent, destructive forces facing humanity. Who is this assistant, and why isn't one of you firing him? He's mad. You're the one who's mad. I'm going to warn the Virtue Boys. Mr. Poverty, Mrs. Child Slavery, after him, after him. Hey, not so fast. Take that, Miss Corruption. And how about one of these right in the face, Mr. Misanthropy? You know, for a second there, when I was beating the physical human embodiment of cruelty to death with my bare hands, feeling his bones break underneath the power of my fists, yeah, yeah. I, I lost myself in it. You know, it was a, totally like a flow state. Yeah, I wouldn't beat humans, but these are just real embodiments of all the worst vices of society with gendered Mr. Miss or Mrs. Arbitrarily, or Ms. I titles. What metaphorically should be done, we're able to physically do and just have this mook archetype who just represents poverty itself. It's like, that's something to hate. And that's something that we did in the sketch. So on with the show. Thanks for listening. On with the show. That was a film trailer for <laughs> a movie. Starring us that's coming out. <gasps> oh, 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 what a horrible dream. Oh, what, what is your dream? I dreamed that there was a movie trailer where the Xenon group had made uh, physical embodiments of like misanthropy and cruelty and other things that have no place in a civilized society. Oh, I'm just so glad that you slept over tonight. That does sound scary. It was spooky, man. Uh, in order to get back to sleep, I think I might need to listen to a relaxation tape. There, there. You just lay down. Don't lift a finger. I'll wheel out the cassette player. Thank you. Oh my god. You're the best neighbor in the world. Aw, thanks. Uh, Let's open the cassette tape uh, case, and then I'll take the cassette tape out of the case, place the cassette tape into the player, and then push the lid of the player closed. You know, your narration is so relaxing, I'm not even sure if I need the tape now. And then finally, uh, well, you're going to get it either way, I'll just hit play on the cassette player now. Just got a report of a nude man walking south on the uh, the highway here. I'm just heading out. Oh, I don't know if that's him. I'm just turn on the siren here. Ooh. Sir, sir, excuse me, sir, sir. Uh, hello? Uh, can you hear me? Uh, Are you leave okay? me alone. Uh, Bye. Sir, I need to talk to you. I've gotten a few complaints. I'm um, leaving. I'm leaving, okay? Just don't worry about me. Okay. I'm leaving. Okay. I can see that you're leaving town, but you're naked, and your hair's all messy. Yeah, and I'm naked. Just, it seems like you're you clothed. maybe haven't eaten in a few days. You're looking pretty skinny. Are you Are you okay? I've never been better. The rest of society's distorted and wrong, and I'm right. I'm on the right path, so just leave me be, okay? So this path, this highway that you're walking down, this is where you want to go, sir? I'm doing great. Just you don't look enough. great, sir. Leave me alone. Just please don't raise your voice to me, sir. I'm just trying to 
respond. Well, no, and I'm on to you. I know what you represent. I know who you are. I know what you're here for. You're afraid of me. You're afraid of what I represent. Stop waving your hands in my face. Don't make me put you in handcuffs. Uh, Handcuffs. Yes. What is that? You don't know what handcuffs are? A technology. Oh, yes, sir. Somehow I'm not surprised. Why, Why would you be, sir? Because you are a gatekeeper. You are a gatekeeper of the technocentric society. You see me renouncing the technocentric society, cutting the cord, uh, becoming I'm a free man. I need some backup here. What are you talking into your shirt? That doesn't make any sense. Leave me alone. I'm leaving. Sir, I don't think I can let you leave. You are a danger to yourself I'm and others. I'm a danger others. to no one. You are obviously... You are. Your uh, society is a danger. Your little shirt talking, danger. Your handcuffs, danger. Your car with lights sir, and sir, sound, please, d- danger. I just need you to just lean up against the car. Come I'm up against take... your totem. Come to your totem of your religious just fixation sure, on your technocentric sure, society. If that's how you want to see it, sir. Uh, no thanks. I'm um, heading south. The direction you're walking in is actually northeast. I don't know if you don't knew that. Don't lie to me. I am heading south. I've been heading south. Do you have a compass? A... Do I have a compass? You're insane. I got three words for you. Leave me alone. And then I got two more words. Bye-bye. Okay, I'm just going to grab your arms here. I'm going to just get up, up against the he's, car. He's, uh, I'm going to get not, this handcuff. Okay, got one hand on, the other hand on. Stop, Please stop struggling. Stop, stop struggling. Sir. You're weak, and I'm much stronger than you are. Please, we're going to get you in the back you're, of the car. We're going to get you the help you need. We're going to get you to a hospital. We're going to get you food. You're part of society. I am a part of society, and society's here to help. I just want to help society you. And that's why I'm going to put you in the back of this car. And repress. With Let me guess. The, you want to put me inside some sort of room? The back of the car first, and then we're taking you down oh, to no. the jail. And then from there, you'll get the medical attention you need. Yes, it will be in rooms. I don't need any medical you, attention, and I don't need rooms. Okay, sir. Whatever you say. You don't need rooms. You don't need rooms. That's fine. I'm just... So just no, see how this got this door off. open, and we're just going to get you inside the back seat this is, It looks like a little room car. to me. It's, it's not a room. It's a technology off my body? It's a, uh, can we just... It's against get, my morals? Okay. If you bend the knee here, if I just... Oh, yeah. I can... Yeah, you're pretty weak. You can't resist that. So if I just put your leg yeah, inside... I've given up on physically resisting, but I would inside. like to convince you with the strength of my ideas, if you'll give me an opportunity. And... The door is closed. Okay, great. Now I'll just walk around the front of the car, and we're just going to drive to the station now. So, could you um, drive me south? Uh, Take off these cuffs. Well, this police station is south of here because I'm going to have to turn around on the highway and go in the opposite direction you were going. But we're going to stop going south when we reach the police station, and you're going to be processed. Okay, well, I'm pretty much giving up on resisting at this point because well, you are I'm in the starting back of a cop to, car with I can feel no. myself fa- starting to fall asleep but yeah if you need to sleep please have a nap I definitely you, you look will out. I just want to make my position really clear to you I condemn this um, and I just also request if when I wake up if you could have some food for me I haven't eaten very much at all in the last several weeks since I became free is it alright if this food was prepared using technology no hmm if you could f- get someone to forage that f- uh, for me. But, uh, yeah, I'm just going to have a quick nap, but I just want to make it clear that I'm against what's happening. Don't call my dad. I don't want him to know that I was in a, in a car or anything like that. Uh, okay, sir. We don't, yeah, we don't usually contact the parents of adult children, so. That means a lot to me. <laughs>
students settle down settle down recess is over welcome back to wrongtown clarity school as we all know satire requires clarity of purpose and that's why your two teachers here i'm mr clarity and this mr. Is mr purpose mr purpose mr purpose i kind of swallowed that we just wanted to pick up a few dangling threads that were floating around the campus you know times where jokes have been made that weren't straightforwardly coupled with a very direct explanation of the political underpinnings of them. So now we've still been hearing some of those same things floating around about cynicism, about creativity, about conspiracy theories. If any of you children are still confused about those, we recommend you go back and listen to the last lesson because there's a very clear explanation of those there. Yeah, we just like to stay laser-focused on some of the new premises that have been popping up in campus since then, and the first of which is thought experiments. Now, obviously, thought experiments can be a great way of understanding issues from multiple angles, get into the depths of the logic of something, without actually having to use a real-world example, that can be a very liberatory tool that can help us to understand things from multiple perspectives. But there is certain types of thought experiments that they're not based on trying to think through hypothetical problems in order to get a new and better perspective on the problems that we face today. Instead, they're focused primarily on edgy types of sort of proving rationality by using extraordinary scenarios, the most sort of egregious, maybe even sometimes violent, racist, the most extremely unpleasant ideas are taken as a sign of intellectual strength to integrate them into abstract thought experiments, often ultimately for the purposes of justifying the actions of our political elites and authorities who have done horrific things in a similar way. That can actually cause a lot of damage. Yeah, and I know how much you kids love those thought experiments. You love uh, just coming up with new scenarios, but really be a bit thoughtful with them, please. Next bit of sarcastic, ironic humor I've been hearing going around is this idea of technology. Now, I've noticed that some of the students like to act as if technology is some sort of panacea that can solve all of the problems of the world. And on the other side, there are students saying that technology in itself is inherently destructive, rotten to the core, the cause of humanity's downfall from its Edenic past. But the truth is, students, that technology, it's an extension of our humanity. Humans have been making tools, using tools, basically for as long as we've existed. And the idea that we could somehow separate ourselves off from technology entirely, renounce it, and go back to some previous state without it uh, is both a fantasy of what a previous state of humanity might have been and completely unfeasible in the modern world. What matters most when talking about technology, when thinking about technology, is not whether technology is good or bad, but the socio-political context that the technology is being developed in and utilized in. So that involves asking some basic questions like, who is this technology being used by? Who is it being created by? And for what purpose? Taking a look at technology through that lens, we can see that it is in itself a neutral tool that can be used for good or bad, and that it is imperative that we come together and use it for good. 
And finally, public nudity is, in some ways, a lot like technology. It's neither purely good nor purely bad. It's got both liberatory and reactionary potentials within it. I mean, if your nudity is not invited, your nudity can be harassment. But at the same time, one can imagine a scenario where universal public nudity could be as benign as any other outfit. Yeah, it's all socio-political context. No matter how comfortable with someone's own body they are, one can imagine scenarios where it's a deeply inappropriate thing to be fully nude. And in that spirit, just for clarity, because satire requires clarity of purpose, it's best to keep public nudity to situations where it's expected and not bring public nudity into scenarios where it might be making people a little bit or very uncomfortable. Now, we all like to have fun and joke around, but we don't want you getting the wrong message. That's right. That's right, kids. Oh, and just there is one more little thing that's been going around the playground I wanted to address, and that is here. I'll just write the acronym on the board. It's uh, A-C-A-B. That's right. A-C-A-B. Right? And it means all cops are bad guys. And what it means to be a bad guy is that you kind of work for the wrong team. What being a bad guy doesn't mean is that you're like a bad person thoroughly down to your core. I mean, we've all seen TV shows. We know that the bad guys aren't always horrible people themselves. They're just kind of mixed up in the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing because they've been forced into it or misled or some people do genuinely have negative intentions. People are complex, and so just even if individual police officers might not be horrible people, they're still playing a role in upholding settler colonial white supremacist capitalist exploitation. And you can tell that this is what they're doing by the laws that they enforce and also the way that they're enforced. There's a lot of racial bias on police forces, class bias on police forces, you know, a naked primitivist, for example, running around a middle-class white community might get a very different reception than someone doing a similar crime of public nudity if they come from a different class or racialized minority community. So, yeah. Remember, children, when you say all cops are bad guys, know that that's a systemic critique, and uh, that's the final lesson. Uh, any, any questions? No? That was completely clear and a well-defined purpose? Yeah, it looks like 100% clear. All right, kids. Well, thank you so much. We'll see you next time at Clarity School. Which is different from Brain School. Brain School is a bad kind of evil brainwashing school. And they make good points sometimes, but it's towards bad ends. And Clarity School is more of just straightforward teachers teaching to students to help close the gap of learner and learned and so that we all learn together in a non-hierarchical way. Thank you. Hey, do you want to uh, sit down and watch some TV with me? Sure, yeah. Sounds What's cool. on? Oh, uh, Felix Bones. Yeah, honestly, Felix Bones hasn't been doing it for me since I sent him off to brain school. He's changed a bit. Yeah, they really sucked a lot of that cynicism out, but I still enjoy it. I think he still makes good points. He's entertaining. What can you say? He's an entertaining... It's, yeah. Oh, it's just about to start, too. Perfect. Put that shit on. We live in a world of infinite possibilities. 
You are a very special person who can see the truth through lies, who's interested in building a better world with others, working together hand in hand to design a perfect utopia that takes care of everyone without ecological offense for the rest of human history. My name is Felix Bones, and welcome to the Narrative Wars, because there's a war on for your story. Today we were hoping on the show to get into the issue of how much incredible human potential our entire audience has here and how much we believe in them to achieve their dreams. But first, I want to tell you really quick about a four DVD box that we have available in the Narrative War store. It's called Drop Change. It's the true story of how 9-11 was not perpetrated by Islamic terrorists. This is just a crazy coincidence. Two sleepy pilots flying two planes into two buildings designed decades before by a sleepy engineer. It's a hell of a coincidence, folks. It's a hell of a for a DVD box set. It's called Drop Change or Slippery Change, depending on your region. 5% off in the Narrative War store. Okay, now, folks, we're going to be going to the phone lines, but first, I just want to tell you a little something about you and the situation we find ourselves in. Now, yes, of course, we're up against incredibly powerful forces we can't fully understand because they're so large and bureaucratic in scope. And it's absolutely true that there's many injustices that need to be undone in our society. But I want to let you know that if you are working together with other people to uh, try to achieve the best and you're working from your heart and you want to make the world a better place and that's a sincere feeling that you have, the universe will conspire with you to bring about that change. What is good for you is good for everyone else, folks. That's a fact. Now, I love making a radio show and I, I, I receive... Letters every day from people saying, now here's a comment right here. Narrative Wars changed my life. I can't thank you enough for your beautiful show. You made me not self-harm. Thank you. You're welcome. Next comment. It's such a wonderful show that you have. You saved me from bullying. I trust you with my life. I can't thank you enough. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Next comment. Felix Bones, your Narrative War show is incredible. You're a wonderful teacher. You're a wonderful father to me. You've replaced my father who I no longer identify with. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, we're going to be going to the phone line now, folks. We got some live calls. They're happy to share their opinions. So first, we're going to be going to Morgan on line one. I just wanted to remind all the listeners out there that everybody has something useful to contribute to society. You might not be good at the first thing you try, but there is something that nobody can do quite the way you can do. And if you do it, it's just going to turn the world around you from a place that doesn't seem so great into a place that's just a little bit better. And you're just doing your little part to pitch in on world peace. And we can all do that. And if we do, the world's going to be so much better. That's absolutely true. That's 100% true. I got a friend in the DHS who's telling me that in 2004. Got all the documents here. Uh, Next on the line, we got Sarah. Hi, Felix. I love your show. And um, sorry for being awkward. Uh, I just had this incredible thing that happened to me, Felix. I just had this blind date and we just really hit it off. And we both love your show. It really reminds me of what you said before that coincidences follow love. If you lead with your heart, you lead what you're passionate about. That's when the good things happen. That's when coincidences come with you. And if we all work together, uh, Felix, I think we can definitely beat the bastards. And I know bastards don't control everything, but there are bastards and we got to find them, Felix. And I just, you know, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Oh, absolutely. 
And, uh, well, let's see, we got a call over here. It's from Trevor. Oh, hi, Felix. <laughs> I just wanted to call and say that I think nobody in your audience can achieve anything, and you're all losers. <laughs> oh, gosh, this isn't just any Trevor. This Trevor's a damn bastard. He calls my show all the time. Ooh. This Trevor is evil to the core. Mm, if you say so. He's my nemesis. He's a demon. You're a damn demon, Trevor. <laughs> now, damn it, Trevor, we can achieve what we no, want. We can take on the power mm, structure. What Achieved. Yes, Not we have all got a very successful radio mm, show, Trevor. What yes, do you have? Big, huge success. Yeah, it is successful. Job. Yes. <laughs> what have you ever done, you little worm? Give up, give up, give up, give up. <laughs> Trevor, you're a, you're a damn nothing master, Trevor. <laughs> you're a loser. It. You're uh, ugly. You're no, worthless. I, I, you're I, I hate to violate a free speech, but I, I'm. I, no, I'm sorry about that, folks. My job as a host is to keep control of what's going on here. And, and when Trevor stops by, he just drives me so mad I could... Ah! I'm, I need, I'm sorry, folks. I need to get some water. I need to go to a commercial break. Guy's a damn monster. Hey there, Patriots. I'm here today to talk to you about a very special product. It's called Power Bones. Now, here in the studio, we've got Dr. Brooks. Now, how does this work, Doctor? Well, you know how we're all born and we all have bones. Absolutely. But, you know, same old boring bones we've had for all of human history. What we thought at Power Bones is let's spruce them up. Finally, someone said it. He tells it like it is, folks. So there's tons of add-ons you can get. You can get the can opener add-on. Anything that's in a Swiss Army knife, that could be in your bones. It's kind of like Wolverine. It'll just pop out between your fingers or anywhere you want. Any bone you want to put it in. Now, folks, I want you to imagine a scenario in which we've got a nuclear Armageddon. You're in your bunker with your family. You got all your cans of beans. How are you going to open them? Power bones. Now, this is a permanent add-on. No matter what happens, you can open those beans. Totally non-invasive process. You just swallow a pill. It latches on to whichever bone you want it to and grows into the specific implement. Also, very special new product is an RFID chip. Grows right inside your bones. Just one simple pill and you got a chip in your bones. That is exactly the kind of thing that a patriot needs to keep safe in this changing society. I support this whole project. I want to thank you so much for sharing this with us on the Narrative War Store. We always like to get great products at great deals uh, to our very capable and discerning audience. Well, thank you for having me on. It's been an absolute bone to be here. So. Well, it's been a bone to have you on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry for being awkward. I just really love your product. Yeah, no problem. It is awkward, but I love your show, Felix Bone and power bones. Power bones. Yeah, it's <laughs> match made in heaven, really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Can I kiss you? I don't know. Can you? Well, no pressure, no pressure. No, sorry, you can't kiss me. I've got a beautiful wife at home. I've got two beautiful kids, but I love your product, Power Bones. Totally understand. Thanks for having me. Maybe you should get a bone implant that you can kiss. That's a great idea. Thank you. That's why they call me the ideas, man. We now go back to Wrongtown Mall, where Mall Sam Harris is evaluating the rationality and objective goodness of another child. Thought experiment. There's an old folks home, and okay. there's been an outbreak of Ebola. Mm -hmm. There's a whole bunch of infected dogs inside the old folks home about to burst outside, and the only way to stop them 
is to demolish the old folks' home. You have a big kind of cartoonish lever that you push down, and the building will pancake in on are, itself. Are you talking about the time that some of the most powerful people in our society demolished that old folks' home with people no, inside no, no. it to put up condos? Because there was no Ebola dogs. And also, I mean, the people who did that had good intentions, but even though the outcome was bad. But it's still an entirely separate discussion from this. This is cubed off from everything else. It's separate. It's in an ideal thought bubble. It has nothing to do with the real world. Context doesn't matter. You just need to answer the false question as described. I'm leading you to an obvious answer here. The answer is you do the horrible thing. So that's what you need to say in order to be rational. So please just say that you would well, destroy you know what? a Sam thousand Harris? old people. You know what? Yes. I think for someone who's so concerned with objective morality... You put a lot of time and energy into thought experiments justifying literally the worst things imaginable as some sort of weird flex of rationality when there's a bunch of really fucked up real world stuff going on that you don't criticize or acknowledge that has real meaningful moral outcomes. If you were interested in objective morality, you'd have a critique of power structure that went a little deeper, Sam. Yeah, that's not rational. You're objectively evil. Next, kid. We now return to the wrong boy's deep and incompetent Jeffrey's ear, building a society to the best of their abilities. Hey, Sean, do you know what day it is today? I don't know. I don't know. What is it? You haven't been looking at the calendar, have you? It's the 10 year anniversary of the day we got sucked into Jeffrey's ear and started this great new society. I got a cake. There's going to be a whole celebration. Yeah, yeah, great. It's awesome. I'm into it. I'm into it. Actually, maybe for the anniversary, like as a gift or something that we could do together as a family. Yeah. My crying room still super small and uncomfortable. It's been 10 years. We've been talking about building a bigger crying room for oh, me yeah, for a long time. Yeah, someday, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's do it. Let's get started. Well, uh, I mean, uh, there's a lot going it's on right now. It's been 10 years. It, yeah. has, it has been 10 years, but I mean, we've accomplished a lot. we got a garden, electricity. It's uh, an impressive spiral staircase, and this is a, larger than any house I could ever afford outside the year. We also have a calendar that I make every year, our calendar together with pictures of us. And on this calendar, I had this date marked. So the fact that you didn't know about it and aren't excited about it is kind of upsetting to well, me you're upset about the crying room again uh, it's I, I really have one request I, maybe if you could just stop crying you think i like not being strong for you <laughs> that's why we need a bigger room Ugh. you know you're not even using the room that exists right now <laughs> you have the room small aaron if you don't want to get in the crying room what if we just hop on our bikes and sightsee a little bit we'll head over to the tympanic cavity we'll you know look around look at the cochlea watch the ossicles do their thing yeah yeah let's do it i'm sorry for crying for like 10 years is that is that the magic chimes do you hear that uh it's something i hear something i don't know if it's the magic chimes like the magic i don't chimes. think it's the magic chimes oh my god we're getting out we What the fuck, Jeffrey? Oh my god, Jeffrey, you hit the button now after 10 years. 10 fucking years later. 10 years. It has you been are 10 such years. A Look at me. I have a sack of shit, my Jeffrey. Hair is gray. You fucking ruined my life. 
I've been eating your fucking I mean, earwax for 10 years. And I got to say, Jeffrey, it's, it's not that bad. But Sean has a point, and oh. I have a bone to pick with you as well, because we asked you to hit the button within five minutes after we went in there, and it's been 10 years. 10 years, Jeffrey. And you know what? You never hit the fucking theme song button. It's been like three or four times. Can't hit the like theme that. song button. Can't hit the unshrink button. It's fucked, Jeffrey. You're a shitty That's intern. What, it is. what do you have to intern. say for yourself, Jeffrey? What the fuck do you have to say for yourself? Well, for your information, you have been inside my ear for precisely five minutes. Thank you very much. Perhaps because the wrong boy's learning machine shrinks your cells down to a smaller size, some quantum weirdness is happening and you've experienced time slower than I have. But on Jeffrey's watch, it's been exactly five minutes. Thank you very much. On the subject of the theme song, I'll have you know... That you did not say please or thank you to Jeffrey even once. Even fucking once. Now, I'm an unpaid intern. I come here out of the goodness of my heart to help you out and make a good show. I do all I can for you and it means a great deal to me. However, you've treated me so poorly, wrong boys, that I'm going to be leaving now and forever. I've done everything I can for you and everything I want to do for you. And frankly... You've treated me with nothing but disrespect and contempt. Now, if you've been living 10 years in my ear, eating my earwax, I am sorry. But you should have looked ahead to that. It's not up to the damn intern to figure these things out. I followed your directions exactly. You've made your bed and now you will sleep in it. And know what? Actually, I direct this entirely at Sean. Aaron, you've been nothing but gracious to me, and I heard you speaking ill of your own ears earlier, and, and frankly, it makes me upset to think that such a beautiful soul as you would be so disrespectful to yourself. But Sean, I have nothing but contempt for you. You are ugly in spirit. I want nothing but the worst for you. Goodbye. Wow. Fucking weird. weird. <laughs> I mean, uh, all he had to do is hit the button. Uh, try not waiting 10 years. <laughs> Bye-bye, Jeffrey. Yeah, it's like we can get another intern or it's I can just play the theme song myself. Didn't say thank you or whatever. <laughs> yeah, he's just yelling at us and yelling and going on and on. And I mean, I'm glad he thinks I'm a beautiful soul, but I don't think he was being fair to you. I mean, you do cry a lot and like that was annoying, but that's not a problem anymore. Yeah, we're regular size. No reason yeah. to cry. I'll just... Go back to being strong for you and strong for everyone. This is dope. Gonna head back to life. It, although it is weird being physically ten years older than I am yeah. legally, you know, yeah, that's or in people's really minds. Yeah. Well, just losing ten years of my life like that, like fuck Jeffrey. Well, I wouldn't say we lost the ten years. It was a beautiful experience we shared together and like shaped us both forever. Mm, I would yeah. say. Yeah. I guess I did learn the depths of hopelessness and what well, that feels like. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there was a bit of that. Maybe a few days in, yeah, it's pretty uh, faded. You made but every a day beautiful was... cake out of the wheat we grew. Thank you. Yeah. I will say that I made that cake to cover a place of darkness, and the darkness was always there. Okay. Well, not crying is going to be weird. And we'll just pop out that tape. <laughs> oh, that was Wrongtown Chronicles Part 2. Part the second. Part the second. Electric Boogaloo. The Squeakwell. Actually, I had this idea, this funny idea. You know how there's like reality shows where people will like date and not show their face like through a wall or they're wearing a mask or something. Yeah, and yeah, they're like, yeah. I want someone who really likes me for me. Wouldn't it be funny if like there were shows where we isolated other different features of people and just like 
I'm going to go on dates, but I'm not going to crack any jokes. Like, I don't want to just be like, cause I'm funny. Like I want them to like me for me. <laughs> yeah. Or dates where you're not allowed to speak. Like, I don't want them to just, yeah. oh, just be, my, flowery my words. voice or like my charming words are just going to manipulate them into liking me through display. Yeah. No, I want just, them to like me for me. I'm going to talk through Stephen Hawking's voice because I want to make sure that oh, yeah, it could be a Steven. I was thinking more just no talk, like the date you sit, you make eye contact, you eat, you make eye contact. Maybe you whisper to the waiter so the other doesn't hear the voice, but just yeah, no communication at all. They say that true love means you can share silence together comfortably. Right. So we can make a lot of these shows. I mean, not us because we're not reality TV show producers in this universe, but yeah, who knows about other universes? That's, that's up in the air. We might be producing those shows right now. We yeah. might be producing those shows in most of the universes. And this is an outlier universe where instead we created a comedy and politics podcast that does sketches and then does like compilations of those sketches later on. Yeah. It really depends on whether multiverses exist and what types of infinity they operate under the like are there an infinite number of universes with each of infinite possibilities or are there infinite numbers of universes with limited specific types of possibilities but infinite variation therein it really all just depends on that and we right. we and don't fully know yeah how much possibility and potentiality really is there like maybe there could be multiverses but there's only like three universes that could ever happen and they're like wildly different from each other like yeah we don't have really meaningful agency in our lives we're just like tapes being played <laughs> it's not even <laughs> a multiverse at that point it's just a triverse and a there's triverse, three yeah. tapes on the great cosmic shelf and then some sort of being outside of all of this just chooses which of the three tapes to play and there's only three yeah it's definitely possible it's real possibility personally i think that there's infinite branching multiverses and sets of multiverses within multiverses obviously yeah even in the three tape universe you could theoretically cut the tapes together to make new tapes that are different from any of the three by combining parts of them it's kind of how creativity works anyway recombining parts they could even cut the tapes down to individual words who knows that one thing i know for sure is i'm not on any fucking tape and i'll just pop out that tape Wow, these old tapes are so fascinating. Jiminy, what are you doing in here? Nothing, nothing. Just Wait, your nuclear-powered farming robot isn't. I'm You're just not... taking a quick break, Mom. I'm taking a break. We're pastoral nuclear farmers. I know, Mom, but I just sometimes like to imagine a different time and place, like Wrong Town history. No, shh, sh none of that. I don't want to boot up the hyper tractor to nuclear farm our food like the traditional old ways. I'm sorry, Jiminy, but you have to. That is the way in which we respect and admire the historical record. Not through study, not through tapes from big city woke technocrat use of fructines. You throw that crap away. The way we are in dialogue with history is to not have a dialogue at all. To have orders barked down to us through tradition. Your grandparents before you, their great-great-grandparents before them, they all farmed the same way. With good old-fashioned micronuclear like grandpa used to use, 
and we raise genetically engineered and advanced synthetic animals and plants. <sighs> Mom, I know. You say this every day. Well, every time I catch you not working, I need to repeat this exposition. You don't need to repeat it. Don't make me repeat it. I want to see you working on those on the nuclear farm. I don't like milking the Omni goats. Well, if you don't milk the Omni goats, how are we going to get super milk for the family? Can we just grow mega soy or ultra oats and make plant-based milks? Oh, I'm sorry, which of your great-grandparents did that? Well, none of them, but hmm, all right. that's, that's because enough, soy and oats were extinct before we invented the new nuclear-powered versions. They feed off of radiation. They're not nuclear-powered. How many times do I have to tell you this? Plus, you know we are in a cooperative agreement with the Usufructian city of Rongtropolis, and if we don't give them a certain amount of omni-goat milk by the end of the week, we'll be in violation. Now, if I catch you listening to another one of those tapes from the great big library of tapes, I'm going to be so cross with you. You know that society is corrupting our youth, making all the nuclear pastoral children run away to the city. Well, then why are you making us milk for them? No one's happy about this. It's, 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 you seem pretty happy to force me to participate. Forcing you to participate is the way it's been done for a long time. It's the way I was forced to participate. My great-grandparents were forced to participate. Maybe if they listened to some tapes from the history of Wrongtown, they could have known that a different world is possible, Mom. Now you quit that silly talk. I want you to power up your micro-nuclear farming skid and hit the fields Fine. because we need Omni-Milk to meet our quotas. So something really important to understand about the context of what's going on here, geopolitical context, it's going to help make things make a lot more sense. So the nuclear pastoral farmers, they're traditionalists, but because this is really far in the future, their traditions are futuristic to us. And they still have private property, but Rongtropolis, which is like the big city that they're organized on the outskirts of, has no private property anymore. It's a usufructian library society. People densely packed into beautiful social housing, you know. There's a political culture there of a lot of mutual criticism, uh, what's sometimes pejoratively called wokeness with interest in justice. So it's often disparagingly called the woke Yusufraktian technocrats, although they wouldn't identify as either technocrats or woke necessarily. But that's how they're seen. Their political process is complicated. It's a layered democracy. Everyone has an opportunity to weigh in on everything uh, multiple times if they want. Too complicated to explain right now. The pastoral system is much more simple. It's a semi-hereditary, patriarchal, family unit, marketplace of food products, kind of simple living, reading old books. Keep it simple is their motto, the nuclear pastoral way. And so the reason that they need to kick hypermilk up to the big city is because they're in a defense agreement and Rongtropolis shares resources from their Chalif department, which is like a defensive crime-fighting organization, reform from police, because police was bad, but they fixed all the problems, they renamed it Chalif, and it still has its problems. But they also give them access to their library system and healthcare system. So it works both ways. They kick some of their food up the chain, it goes to people in need in the city, and get access to a big centralized resources that are of great benefit. Although there's a bit of cultural tension, the older pastoralists don't really like the cultural hegemony. One in Ted Kids is running away to the city, so there's a lot of animosity over that between these groups, even though they're in this defensive pact. I mean, it does feel a little bit like feudalism because you have these like tributary micro groups kicking up their resources for protection. and But the economists, at Rongtropolis and the biggest universities say that it's actually a good deal economically for the pastoralist. It's a very small percentage of the food product of the city. 
It's actually being debated among some of the city whether to even ask for the food anymore at all because it's not necessary for the survival of the city and causes animosity with the neighbors at this point, despite being a good deal. So that explains sort of the tension between the mother and the son around the tape and what it means to be a nuclear pastoral farmer in the first place. Oh, stupid mom making me work. I'll just power up the nuclear pod. All right, let's keep trying. Right. Is she looking? Stupid mom trying to control me. She's trying to take away all my tapes, but she doesn't know I have an old podcast player. Let's see. Uh, oh, subversive podcast. I'm going to just hit play. Hello and welcome back to the Geet Finkus Experience. We are your hosts, Geet Finkus. And Geet Finkus. And we have a Finkus-tastic show for you all today. We are broadcasting live from our secret cell in Wrongtropolis. But someday we will be returning to the Finkusplex. You know, I've personally vowed not to return to the Finkusplex until Wrongtropolis itself is under the thumb of the Finkusites. But that's just me. I know I'm a bit extreme. I don't think there's anything extreme about that. Since I've made my conversion, I became a Geet supporter. I started going by Geet in yeah. many oh, situations. Yeah. This, this is what I wanted to talk about this week is really just get into why we joined. It's a classic conversation that happens, you know, uh, one Geet Finkasist meets another and inevitably it comes up. How did you become a Geet Finkasist? Yeah, it's so great. Everyone has their own unique history, their own way, but all ending up in the same place, the place of Geet and the place of Finkus as well. So I started as a nuclear pastoral farmhand boy. I would just toil day after day. Parents always arguing me around, oh, do this, do that. Pick the hyperbeats, milk the omni goats. And I'm like, do we even get to keep all this stuff? I think that's a situation a lot of our listeners can relate to. That's Right, yeah, you're picking hyper turnips all day. At the end of the day, you're like, huh, 10% is going to this library society over the hill? Huh? Can someone make this make sense? Yeah, and on the other end of things, I grew up right in the core of, not Wrongtropolis, but another major metropolitan center in the universe that we're in. We kind of really look down on the pastoralist. The idea of owning property and having all these fences up between my pastoral land and your pastoral land, it was just very distasteful to us. But as I was growing up, you know, I just started to notice a lot of the adults in my society, they would talk a good game about usufructian values and sharing and sharing alike, but they didn't always live up to those values. And that hypocrisy started to get to me. Yeah, it was a big awakening moment. I understood, although they're very different, both sides had their issues. Usufructians, their peach of chalif is resigning every week pastoralists, they've got no backbone. Yeah, so the answer at that point, for me, became entirely clear, and that was a cult of personality around one specific person who wasn't a hypocrite and really strong enough and brave enough to actualize his values in the world, and that was Geet Finkus. Mr. Geet Finkus, praise be his name. And it was the weirdest thing. As soon as I started thinking this way, I was walking, I'd walk around the city and I'd almost think I saw Geet Finkus out of the corners of my eyes in the middle of the metropolitan 
place where I lived, it was like, oh, is that Geet Finkus? Is that Geet Finkus? Mm-hmm. Is that someone sent by Geet Finkus to watch over me? Just around the corner there, a flash of an eyebrow ridge. It looks like Geet. Or over there, those shoes. Those... These are the shoes that Geet would want. And I'd, I'd go up to all these people and I'd say, excuse me, are you Geet Finkus? Are you Geet Finkus? And they would say, no, Geet Finkus, who is that? Still sleeping. But I knew, I knew that Geet Finkus was out there based on these podcasts I've been listening to, so. And one of the great things about Finkus I theory is that it's a, really a one-stop shop for ideas because Geet Finkus so understands the depth of everything that his ideas are applicable in any given context. So sometimes people will say, oh, I want to have an eccentric view. I want to take in different sources. I want to listen to both Geet and other ideas. And to that, I just firmly say, sorry, I'm pious enough and I recognize the greatness of Geet enough and I am committed to the personality cult enough of Mr. Geet that I do not want to dilute my understanding of Geet Finkus thought by bringing in esoteric alternative sources. Sorry, no. And this happens to me all the time because not everyone has the commitment to really let these ideas, you know, reach all the way into our brain, you know, catch the thoughts at the source and put a mm. little Geet Finkus necklace on the, those thoughts and a Geet Finkus bracelet. And it's a beautiful jewelry as Absolute, well. Yeah. yeah. Geet Finkus is very clear about that. And, you know, sometimes I think back to that naive little boy I was just before I'd listened to my first Finkusite podcast. And if you'd asked me then if I'd wanted my thoughts to be changed at the source and the jewelry added and whatnot into Finkus, I probably would have said no. But looking back now, seeing how far I've come and how far Geet Finkus has come and the future that the Geet Finkus personality command is bringing to reality, I have to say I was a fool as a child. And now I I know the truth. When you were a child, you were an absolute fool. But so was I, and so was everyone. Not everyone is born basking in the light of Geet Finkus, although many babies are. Yeah, now. Increasingly, yes. My neighbor was a Geet Finkus baby. Grew up under the tutelage of Mr. Geet Finkus in secret, in private, away from the peering eyes of the dominant societies. And when the time is right, us Finkusites will rise up. I mean, we've been strengthening up our military reserves, and we need more young fighters, more young fighters who are willing to don the cape and hat of the Geet Finkus fighters and be prepared for cataclysmic war with the dominant society. I couldn't have said it better myself. That's uh, common sense around here. Whether we rise up first against the pastoralist menace, the nuclear pastoralists, or the woke usufructian technocrats, and I say that with all the disparagement it deserves, that will come down to the military strategy and decisions of Mr. Finkus when the time is right. But our day will come soon, so personally I am stealing myself for that mighty day when a new world might be born. Yeah, and if you're a listener out there and you're a small child or an adult. Big child. A big child, an adult child, you might say. If you're hearing this from somewhere outside the Finkus verse right now, I just want you to know that you have a home here and that Finkus will rise. Geet is the answer. So thank you for listening. And please, abandon your life and join us. Because we certainly cannot run the meat grinder of cataclysmic war without more bodies. The individual Finkusites may die, but Geet Finkus lives on. Wait, he stopped halfway through. Wait, I swear to God, if this kid is listening to tapes, I am going to blow a gasket. Jiminy! Jiminy, your mother would like to have a word. Excuse me, we're supposed to... Hello, Jiminy... We have quotas to make. Jiminy? Jiminy, what's a note on his... 
Jim oh no. Jiminy, is this a joke? Or is this a real note? Okay, I'm gonna read it. Dear Mom, I now see that we pastoralists have been placed under the exploitative yoke of the Usufructian technocrats and their woke, holier-than-thou elitism. Oh yeah, that's true. As such, I have decided to abandon the nuclear pastoralist farmers and their doomed mission to maintain the old ways, and am instead running away to the city of Rongtropolis to join an underground cell of Finkasite revolutionaries. Oh, jeez. Which seems to be our only hope. What has my son gotten himself into this time? That's no good. The time of cataclysmic war nears with every passing moment, and so child soldiers, like myself, will be needed, so that our bodies can be thrown into the gears of the machine and grind the mighty Usufructian hegemonic big city tax tyranny to a halt. Well, I don't like the sound of this. Sincerely, your son, Jim. No, I'll just cross that out. Sincerely, your son, Geet Finkus. Oh, looks like my son has been radicalized and corrupted by access to that damn library, pushed over the edge by these damn taxes. Yeah, I'm not the only nuclear pastoral farmer saying this, but this kind of shit makes me want to revolt, just being honest. Another son running off to Usufructia? I mean, who's going to toil the fields? I don't know who this Geet Finkus character is, but uh, do not like the sound of that. Even just the name sickens me, Geet Finkus. Sounds like a disease, corrupting youth. Geet Finkus. Oh, sickens me just to say it. Geet Finkus. It's a name so horrible it can make a mother cry. It can make his own mother cry. What have I done? Never should have named him this. Geet Finkus. 